Welcome to the XGuru Talk Show. The XGuru is unified trading terminal. Charting, on-chain analytics, trading, the most effective for the road in the Zero X API. At the XGuru Talk Show, we talk about people and projects in DeFi, Web3 and crypto. My name is Roman and I am the host. We are conducting a series of interviews with people who build the future of decentralized finance. We are all human beings. We believe that people follow people when they make trading and investing decisions. Therefore, we focus on the person, not current news. And today we want to focus on our incredible guest, Peter, Head of Growth at Index Group. Without further ado, let's begin. Thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. Excited to have you here. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. For starters, I'd like to ask you to introduce yourself to the listeners and give a bit of a background about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my name is Peter. Um, I, I go by the pseudonymous character Lemonade uh, here on Twitter and other social platforms. Um, yeah, I've, I've been working in uh, crypto or DeFi broadly since about 2018. Um, I joined Forecast Foundation, which is the uh, open source software foundation behind uh, a project called Augur. Uh, which is an early project in, in the Ethereum and DeFi space. Um, uh, V1 of Augur was one of the first user-facing products, uh, you know, on Ethereum. It launched around the same time as, as MakerDAO. Um, and so uh, worked there for a few years, launched the V1 and V2 uh, of, uh, of, of that platform. And then, um, interestingly enough, uh, the, the native token for Augur, Rep was uh, added to a, a an index built on on token sets uh, called DPI, which is the DeFi Pulse Index. Um, and so the DeFi Pulse Index was uh, kind of like the first attempt at uh, kind of like indexing the DeFi space on Ethereum. Um, and that kind of led me to learning about and understanding more about IndexCoop, which is a DAO um, founded in October of 2020. And IndexCoop. Uh, you know, since since finding out about them, I became really intrigued with with kind of like, you know, the the product offerings and, and kind of like the core value that, that they're offering customers, and uh, thought it would be a really great opportunity. Um, I'm really passionate about about the idea of of like on chain adoption um, um, and really kind of focusing on on crossing the chasm. Um, so I, it seemed like Index Products was a pretty great opportunity to to um, kind of scratch that itch for me. Um, and then yeah, I've I've been with Index Cube since. Uh, around December of 2020, so uh, going on about a year and a half now, and yeah, that, that, that's a, a quick summary. Our listeners would love to hear a bit of how you got into DeFi initially. What attracted you to this industry? What were you up to before? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Uh, before this, I worked in, in traditional tech. Um, I always had kind of like a hobbyist interest in finance, um, and you know, I read uh, uh, a couple paper. Uh, you know, we, we if we if we go back to 2017, that was kind of I had obviously heard of crypto and Bitcoin before before then, but my interest really peaked uh, when I was kind of seeing uh, you know these this this crazy like appreciation of all these token prices in 2017. I was really trying to figure out what this was about. Um, I had been kind of like trading uh, stocks and options uh, on my own at that time, and I was like, oh wow, okay, so these are like. Uh, <laughs> call options that don't expire basically with kind of like the price action. Um, so that was intriguing. And then uh, I kind of really started to like dive into the industry and that's where it really clicked that I was pretty philosophically aligned with a, a lot of, of the constructs um, uh, uh, within crypto, um, you know, going down to everything from like a distrust in, in kind of like fiat monetary policy all the way up to like decentralizing, um, you know, kind of like the web two uh, uh, monoliths um, and, and, you know, given that, I, I, I really kind of like took a few months to dive in and really try and understand things. And I picked a few projects that um, I thought were going to be um, interesting and, and have uh, some kind of usage or traction uh, pretty soon, um, which was which was fairly rare back then in like early 2018. Um, and then I started to kind of like cold email just uh, uh, some of the some of these projects um, and, and the teams behind them. And yes, yeah, that that's kind of how it started and just been kind of rolling from there. And uh, what was your aha moment in transition to DeFi? What was the point of no return? Oh, man, that's a good question. I think um, it was interesting because, you know, in the early days uh, of Ethereum and DeFi, there wasn't much to do. 
um, and, and, and the projects and their UX were kind of painful. Um, I think like when Uniswap uh, uh, launched and, and you could kind of do these decentralized swaps uh, um, of tokens with no middlemen, um, just algorithmically done, um, I, I just felt like that was such a game-changing application. And from then, uh, you know, there was just a, a kind of like Cambrian explosion uh, uh, of DeFi applications that my interest just, you know, <clears throat> my focus just couldn't really be pulled from, from this space. What was DeFi like when it started compared to now? What changed in sentiment? Oh man, um, yeah, like I said, back when back when I jo- uh, kind of like joined the space, there really wasn't many apps. Um, there was a uh, there was a, a, a decentralized order book exchange. Oh man, I think Ether Delta might have been the name. I can't remember the, the exact name, but uh, that was about it. And then there was like MakerDAO. There was like a, a bunch of there's Crypto Kitties. There there was a couple like um, scam NFT projects and stuff like that. And, and just there, there wasn't much for people to do. So, um, you know, I, th- I think people are, are kind of like visual, visual learners and, and at times kind of like learn by doing and, and kind of aren't able to see the value prop until, um, kind of like these applications spring up and, and they're able to really kind of like tangibly see the benefits. Um, but yes, yeah, I think just like since 2018, what, what's really happened is that the, the UX, although not really quite where it needs to be, um, has just like made a, a bunch of massive Im- improvements in, in terms of the usability and then also kind of like the, the application space, um, the, the, the tooling and infrastructure for the space ha- has kind of allowed for the application design space to really open up and um, yeah, just provide like a lot of, a lot of interesting new benefits. And I think that's really what's kind of like allowed for DeFi to take off. And then you kind of see uh, an extension uh, of that UX on in this kind of like idea of, of, of a multi-chain landscape where, um, you know, these, these other alternative L1s or L2s on Ethereum are, 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 t- are taking, um, you know, the, the ability to have all these apps, but also coupling it with, uh, you know, a better UX in that there's lower transaction fees. Um, so I think kind of like just that continued improvement in UX um, and tooling and infrastructure has allowed for DeFi to really um, begin to gain, gain some pretty serious adoption. Can you please explain me, like I'm five and our listeners as well, the index group at a high level? What is it and uh, who uses it and why? Yeah, no, uh, great question. So, yeah, at index group, what we're trying to do is make uh, decentralized financial products that unlock prosperity for for people. And so how we do that is uh, we're trying to make, like, crypto investment themes simple, accessible, and safe. Um, and so if you think about index group, what we're really doing is kind of like abstracting away an investment strategy. Um, and so, you know, when index group launched the, the flagship product was DPI, which is the DeFi pulse index. And that is a basket of, uh, about 15 to 20 DeFi tokens, um, that most people would consider kind of the blue chip Ethereum DeFi tokens. And instead of having to kind of collect all of them, you are able to kind of like, onboard into this indexing strategy by just buying one token, which is which is the DeFi Pulse Index, which is built on top of a platform called Set Protocol, which allows you to, to um, you know, build baskets of tokens and also um, is able to perform, you know, actions within DeFi um, by kind of like leveraging the composability of DeFi to create combinatorial actions and, um, you know, have those reflect investment strategies. For example, we have, um, you know, a tokenized 2x ETH leverage strategy. So where manually people would typically go to Compound or Aave and deposit um, their ETH and then, you know, take out, a, borrow against USDC and buy more ETH to get kind of like a leverage position, we abstract that entire process into a single token. So all you have to do is go onto a DEX and buy the token and you get that investment strategy packaged up in, in, inside that ERC-20. Sounds exciting. What's the product backstory? How did you come up with the idea? Yeah, I can't claim credit. Um, unfortunately, I, I, I'm more of a, an early core contributor um, than a founder. Um, but I can kind of speak to what I know about the, the inception. And, and um, that's really a story that, that has its roots um, deep within DeFi, uh, as, as, as I do. And, and that is... Um, Set Protocol, which is uh, an application uh, in DeFi on Ethereum that has been around since uh, 2018, I believe. 
Um, and then DeFi Pulse, which is a analytics service provider for, for DeFi on Ethereum. Um, they've been around since I believe 2018 as well. Um, they kind of came together and, and realized that there was a market um, desire for, uh, given that DeFi was really experiencing this Cambrian explosion, there, there was a, a, a market desire for some kind of index product for these DeFi applications. Um, and uh, within a week of, of that realization and them coming together, they had launched the DeFi Pulse Index. Um, and then what, why they created IndexCube as a DAO uh, was so that you could really build a community around these products um, to kind of like really help drive adoption. Um, and, and since then, we, we, we kind of started as more of like a distribution and, and, and marketing shop. But since then, we've actually kind of built uh, product capabilities ourselves. So, so, we're, so we're actually ideating and, and building the, the products within NextCube now. How did you validate uh, the idea at the first steps? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, I think the, the the first signal was that there there's just a lot of people, you know, out in the market, out on crypto Twitter, asking for this product, and and I think that that's one big thing uh, that that it is often overlooked in this space. Like, are people even do people are people asking for your product? Do people even even want this? Um, and so, one thing for us is is although you know, I think they had they had a good idea that there was going to be sufficient product market fit and that, and that there was a market for this product, which was DPI, um, there, the kind of soup du jour or, or, or the, the, you know, the typical playbook at, the, at that time in DeFi was providing a lot of incentives around your product. Um, and, and what's interesting about that is it kind of obfuscates whether there's real demand. It's like, okay, maybe you want DPI because you're getting 25%, um, you know, in, in APR and some token on top of holding it, but do you want it when there's, when there's no APR? And so, um, you know, there's no, there's no incentive. There's no unsustainable incentive to hold. And so um, we really focused around this totem of like unincentivized uh, uh, growth. And like, we, we tried to be pretty uh, conservative with the rewards that, that we were getting with our liquidity mining program so that we could actually see whether there was a true market demand for the product without those incentives. And uh, to, to, to our pleasure, we kind of realized that as we turned off, um, as we tapered down and turned off incentives, uh, we, we realized that there was a market for, for this. And, and since then, um, DPI has gone on to, to be held by uh, around 20,000 people, and, and uh, the total amount of holders of, of all NXQ products is around 40,000. So I think we've been able to, to kind of validate that demand with, with, the, with the user traction, um, with the TVL traction. We, we've... Uh, amassed about 220 million at, at the current moment, and has has that's been as high as 550 million. Obviously, it's it's kind of um, subject to, to uh, price fluctuation, but um, yeah, we think that you know, given the fact that we are just kind of like offering a product without any kind of like additional incentive, that that really validates the use case. And then um, another thing we do is is really kind of like measure co uh, retention uh, by cohort by monthly cohorts, um, and we we've gotten some really great results um back from 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 that data uh you know we're we're finding that well over 50 percent of people are continuing to to retain and hold on to these products uh six months and nine months after purchase true holders yep <laughs> did you get the funding to build initial products i'm sorry can you repeat that did you get the funding to build the initial product yeah, so what's interesting is that, um, well, Set, Set Labs, which is uh, the dev team behind Set Protocol, and DeFi Pulse Index are also, are, 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 um, I, I know Set Labs is VC funded, uh, DeFi Pulse might be, but, you know, these are, these are kind of like centralized um, uh, corporate entities that have funding, and they kind of like started IndexCoop, and so there wasn't really a need for additional funding at the time. Uh, when when the token was launched, um, it, it, it's, it's kind of ascribed the price by the market. And at that point, you know, you can consider our treasury as a bit of a funding source, if you will. Um, and then beyond that, about, you know, nine months into the existence or, or you know, seven, eight, nine months into the existence of IndexCoop, we did do a treasury diversification round with a couple of, couple, uh, of investors like Galaxy Digital, 1KX, One Confirmation, Sequoia India, 
the Defiance Capital and, and, and several others, and we raised ten million dollars in USDC um, against our our index token. What went into building? How long did it take from start to release on mainnet? Yeah, great question. Um, what's interesting about DPI is it's kind of um, the platform from from which it was built on already existed. So much of the development work that went into creating the product actually happened well before IndexCube was founded. And so that's been a really huge key uh, competitive advantage for us is that, you know, we, we're able to kind of just in a turnkey manner push out new products and experiment with new products. Um, and so, you know, the, the fact that the platform is built and that the, you know, a curation of products is, you know, a relatively – I, I, I say relatively, although I'm not a Solidity engineer, so, so they, they might um, feel otherwise. I, it's a relatively simple process um, in terms of, like, introducing new, new products to the market and experimenting with new products. Um, so, yeah, luckily for us, a lot of the dev lift occurred um, prior to the NextCube being launched. Even one month is kind of a long period in fast-paced crypto space. How has the crypto landscape evolved while you were building, and uh, does it affect what decisions you have made on scope or features? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think, like, the market conditions certainly inform, like, what products we want to build. We, we want to satisfy kind of user demands. Um, and, you know, when, when it was more of a, a bull market, um, you know, people, people wanted to get exposure to to tokens and, and, and they want to, um, and you know, the, the risk benefits of, of using kind of an indexing strategy and, and, and getting a basket of tokens, which kind of dampens volatility both to the downside and upside, um, was something that was desired in, in those market conditions. Um, we've seen a bit of a, of a tapering off of growth, um, a bit of a, of a stagnation there. Um, and we've really kind of like tried to dig in and understand what are our customers' needs. Um, and we're getting a lot of feedback that like, Customers are interested in, you know, these kind of market conditions in, in things that are kind of like income producing or, or yield generating, um, whether that's like, you know, on a stable coin uh, type of product or whether that's on kind of like a blue chip like ETH. So we're really kind of like trying to build structured products now that can take advantage of DeFi composability and offer like really great yields and, and really great incomes for people. Um, and so, yeah, we, we, we certainly have, have – um, pivoted strategies, although, um, you know, it's not not to say that we're not, you know, kind of still ideating around these composite indices, if you will. Um, so so that, that's your DPI, your MVI, uh, BED, GMI, data, uh, and, and others. But we, we have kind of made a shift to kind of like bifurcate our, our product focus um, and, and focus on both yield and things like composite indices. Is all you explained before, or the next question uh, rises up? Uh, I'm sure listeners would like to know more about how did you handle security in the product? How safe is it? Which precautions were taken? Yeah, no, it's an absolutely great question. We, uh, like, like I said, our mission is to make crypto investing simple, accessible, and safe for everyone. Um, and so we really take a lot of uh, care around security. Um, the, the biggest thing that, that we've done, I think, is, is platform selection. Um, we, we, we're using set protocol, which is battle-tested smart contracts. Um, they've been around since 2018, have never experienced an exploit. Um, and that's because they take extreme care in terms of, uh, of what they ship, in terms of reviewing code, in terms of getting reputable audit firms, um, really upper-tier audit firms, and just, just taking care in that, you know, our – Really, really trying to understand and, and internalize that, you know, our product is, is trust and comfort. And so we really want to, like, bake that in, into our product offerings and, and really care about, like, you know, whether this is going to – whether this has a chance of being exploited. And, and, and if there's, like, any kind of chance of that uh, or, or, or any kind of, like, mild, mild chance of that, we, we, we simply won't chip. Wow. No exploits since uh, 2018 sounds really impressive. Developing a product, uh, you probably have been in close contact with a lot of people in the crypto community. 
Cougar people or products that help you out uh, more, who do you like to highlight? I'm sorry, can you, uh, can you repeat that? Uh, who were the people or the products uh, who helped you out uh, more? Who do you like to highlight? Yeah, um, that, that's a great question. There's, there's been so many people in, in this ecosystem and, and also projects that, that have been um, just super welcoming and, and, and super helpful for us, and, and it's been really cool to see. Um, I want to shout out a couple. Uh, you know, Ave, Ave and Compound um, have been really easy to work with in terms of building some of these leverage indices that, that I mentioned. Um, we've also had like really great relationships with, oh man, I, I, I can already tell I'm going to miss, miss some people in project. <laughs> um, but we, we built like really great relationships with, with teams like Rari and Tribe. Um, we, uh, we work with, with the Bankless team. Uh, we work with DeFi Pulse. Um, yeah, it's, it's there's, there's so many to name that I, I know I'm, I'm not going to do a service to every, to everyone, but yeah, I'll just say that. The, the DeFi space is one of the most welcoming, collaborative places I, I've, I've been able to work on, and it's been such a breath of fresh air to, you know, have these projects and, and, and teams that are that are so willing to, to work with you and, and want to help you. Just like kind of like out of the, you know, it's because this is what they're passionate about, and, and they want to build good products and, and, and good services for for people. And it's not, you know, there, there's never kind of like a reciprocity. Um, Baked in, baked into people helping you, and and I just really appreciate that. And yeah, like I said, I I, I can't name everyone here. There's definitely some that I miss. Argent, uh, Dharma, um, Mango. Uh, there's just so many that that have been super helpful. You've experienced pretty intensive growth. Uh, what difficulties in onboarding and getting access for the new users do you see in the future? Yeah, it's. <laughs> Like the the user experience for onboarding is something that we pay a ton of attention to, um, and yeah, we we've, we've kind of noticed a slowdown in growth uh, that kind of correlates with the rise in you know gas prices on, on mainnet Ethereum. Um, so yeah, one of our key focuses is like how how can we provide a better onboarding experience for for users that you know might not be buying in enough size to justify the gas cost, and so. Um, some some of the things that we're doing on that front are integrating with, you know, L2s, uh, but not just stopping there. It's like we want to we want to not only integrate with L2, but we want to make the onboarding experience as seamless as possible. So we typically are trying to integrate with L2 that is uh, going to be offered by like a big wallet partner. So in the past, we've kind of like had a two step um, partnership with Polygon and Dharma, which allowed people to onboard into Inexecute products on Polygon very cheaply. And then um, more recently, we've had a, a uh, integration with ZK Sync and Argent, so people can buy um, all of Indexcoop's composite products on Argent and, and, and ZK Sync um, for very low fees. I believe sub one dollar um, at this point. And uh, beyond that, what, what we're thinking about is kind of like other other UX improvements. Um, you know, a, a one of the tenets of, of TradFi index investing is being able to kind of like DCA or dollar cost average into into these into those products over time. And so we're integrating with um, some really interesting upstarts like um, uh, a company called Mango DCA uh, who are who are doing dollar cost averaging and allowing people to kind of like you know add ten, twenty, fifty dollars, a hundred dollars to to their positions every week, every month, um, kind of like whatever cadence is is preferable. And then beyond that, um, one of the big things to kind of like really open up our the ability to onboard our products to to, to the masses is um, going outside of DeFi and, and and trying to get our products listed on things like centralized exchanges. So um, we were really excited to recently be listed um, or have the, the DeFi Pulse Index listed on Gemini. Um, so that's kind of like a major U.S. exchange. And that, that should open up, you know, the ability for a lot more people to onboard onto our product. You, you can simply download a mobile app. Um, as you can with DeFi, to, to be fair, um, with, with, with Argent, um, and purchase DeFi Pulse Index without paying any, any kind of gas fee. Um, so, yeah, just really kind of like, you know, be, being mindful of the UX and, and the customer needs and, and trying to uh, kind of get ahead of these problems that they're experiencing when onboarding into our, pro our products. 
Maybe it's a suboptimal idea to address this question to you, but uh, what are possible technical limitations for further product development? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so what's really interesting about SET protocol is that, you know, and that's our main technology provider, is that it really thrives on on its ability to be uh, to, to leverage composability. Um, and so what's interesting is that, like, we could potentially build a, a lot of products that take advantage of, of other protocols and, and are able to kind of, like, execute some kind of strategy by leveraging other protocols. Uh, but kind of, like, where an issue comes in is going back to that, that uh, question around kind of, like, security. And so um, we take a lot of care in, in really kind of, like, picking which protocols we, we would use to build on. And because we're a bit conservative on that front, um, sometimes the, the development cycles are a bit slow. Sometimes we, we pass on things that, that might not be a sure thing. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think that there's kind of like, you know, it's, 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 it's a, it's a, it's a trade-off that comes with being super secure, um, security and, and safety minded, uh, in that, you know, we, we, we're very, uh, exclusive about what kind of protocols that we, that we want to build on top. You explained us how do you make money for users, but uh, what's your way of making money? What's your business model? Yeah, great question. So um, IndexCoop does charge fees on its products. Um, we have a streaming fee on all of our composite indices, which you can think of kind of like a, an expense ratio in TradFi or almost like a subscription fee where uh, we charge between 0.9 and 1.9. Uh, percent on uh, on an annual basis on those composite products. Um, some of our other products have um, different fee structures as well. Um, for example, our leverage our leverage indices suite uh, has rede- mint and redeem fees. So whenever um, um, basically how 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 new units of our indices come into existence uh, or or are deleted from our existence is through a mint minting and redemption process on set protocol and. Uh, when that process happens for some of our products, we also ha- have a, a fee there. Um, and to date, we, we've uh, we've done about three and a half million dollars notionally in revenue. Um, and yeah, so yeah, basically just just a kind of like traditional fee structure on, on, on top of our index product. Let's talk about the markets more broadly. Is there anyone who you consider your direct competitors and how do you differentiate? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, we, we think about this kind of interestingly. I think there is like some very direct competitors. Um, uh, DeFi projects like PyDAO or um, Indexed Finance or BasketDAO or, or a number of PowerPool or a number of others um, that, are, that are on-chain indices. Um, there's also like off-chain indices um, that are that 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 space is kind of dominated by a, a corporate entity called Bitwise. Um, so they make like a DeFi index, a, a total crypto index, things like that. Um, but they're selling to accredited investors off-chain. Um, but to be honest, we we also kind of consider like blue chip assets <laughs> like like Ethereum and, and Bitcoin are our competitor as well. Um, in the sense that we're really kind of like you know all clawing away at, at market share. Uh, and then like, if you think about some of our, uh, s- some of our products in a discrete sense. So like we recently came out with a, a product called interest compounding ETH, which is really awesome. Um, it does a recursive lending process or recursive borrowing process, I should say, to generate um, a leveraged ETH yield. So it takes stake ETH, which typically gives you like a 4% uh, uh, yield on your ETH and um, does a process within Aave, that allows you to basically ramp up that interest uh, almost risk-free. So you can essentially get 10% on your ETH by buying the, this ICETH product on a DEX. Um, and we consider the competitors for that, you know, things like an Instadap or, you know, maybe even staked ETH itself. Um, although competitor is probably not the right right word because we, we are leveraging them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we, we have a pretty broad idea of, like, who we're competing with, Um yeah, sorry, a bit, a bit long-winded answer. <laughs> well, to sum it up, uh, who is the target market for a product? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think when you think about our, we, we kind of bucket our, our products in, into two, two categories. One is like investor products and the other is trading products. For the investor products, uh, we really see our, our, our customers as people that want exposure to a specific theme uh, within, within DeFi or within crypto broadly and uh, don't want to necessarily do kind of like all the legwork to keep up with that specific theme and, and pick winners and, and, and do all, all the research and, and intensive processes that are required to really stay on top of, on top of these. Uh, what's really great about the, our indices is, is they, they add, they include new projects all the time. So uh, essentially you're always kind of getting exposure. You're getting kind of continuous exposure to, to the new things. Um, and, and so it's really great for someone that wants to be kind of like a passive holder um, and just get exposure to the team over time. Um, and then for our trading products, uh, our customers are really, you know, people that want kind of like exposure to a specific investment theme, but don't necessarily want to go through the complexity of all the operations to manually um, execute that strategy. And so, for example, things like our ETH2X Fly or, or BTC2X Fly on both um, Mainnet and, and Poly, uh, Polygon, um, you know, that, like I mentioned, leverages a, <laughs> leverages a, a leverage strategy by, um, you know, supplying, supplying Ethereum or, or kind of the base asset on, on Compound or Aave in the background, borrowing USDC against it, and then buying more of the base asset to kind of get a leveraged exposure to it. So instead of having to kind of like do that whole process manually, we wrap that up into, up into an ERC-20, and all you have to do is buy it on the desk. So if you want access to a particular strategy with um, the lowest amount of complexity possible, uh, index group products are, are a really great way to, to get exposure to, to them. What are index groups goals for the future and how do you plan to accomplish these goals? Yeah, no, it's, it's a really great question. Um, I think we have pretty ambitious goals for growth. Um, we want to kind of, uh, <laughs> we want to kind of 10 X our, our, our AUM to be honest. Um, so, you know, things that we're doing is really introducing, uh, a, kind of like a new category of products, which is, as I mentioned, like income generating, generating or yield. Um, we want to continue to get our products into more mainstream venues, um, things like a Coinbase, for example, potentially a Robinhood that really allows like a mass market to onboard into our products and, and kind of like DeFi and, and crypto broadly. Um, so, yeah, like th those are those are two main goals. Um, also, kind of like from an organizational standpoint, you know, being a DAO, there's a lot of challenges in in trying to organize and, and trying to be efficient. Um, and, you know, we we've. To, to be candid, we struggled a bit with um, things like, you know, burn rate and, and, and budgeting and things like that. And we're, as an organization, I think we're, we're really trying to mature and um, kind of like operate in a more efficient way going forward. And so those are kind of like three tenets, tenets or, or, or really big uh, uh, strategic priorities over, over the next few years. What are your thoughts about the future for the whole DeFi market? Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I don't know if I'm the best person to op opine on this, but um, yeah, I, I think we'll continue to kind of see like just brand new designs, design, uh, a brand new design spaces coming out all the time. Uh, I think like between, let's say like spring of 2020 and, and um, you know, now we've just seen like a crazy amount of, of new innovations, um, things like Alchemix, self-repaying loans. Um, you know, some, someone recently, someone recently said to me that, uh, you know, the design space is, is only constrained by your imagination. So that, that kind of like rooted me in, in this idea that like, we probably don't even know what the, what the next um, really interesting apps are going to be. Um, and so I'm not trying to guess what it is. Um, I think what we can do at IndexCube to be best positioned to kind of like serve our, our users and customers is just continue to have our ear to the ground, understand how we can leverage um, kind of like new applications in DeFi for uh, their composability and, and be able to offer interesting strategies and products on top of them. Um, but yeah, like I, I just think like we probably, I don't, I'd be, I'd be, uh, Surprised if anyone really knows what's coming next in DeFi. But basically, we are all we are all gonna make it. We are all gonna make it. If, <laughs> yeah. Um, if you if you if you uh, 
if you survive in, in, in this industry as, a, as either kind of a contributor to, to a project or as an investor, um, most, most likely um, you're, you're GMI. Thank you for all these insights. Uh, but we'd like to get to know you better. We believe that people invest in people, and that's why we ask our guests to spend some time on personal questions. We want to understand your values and how they influence your decisions. And my first question is, uh, when you think of the word successful in crypto and DeFi, who is the first person who comes to mind and why? Wow, that's a really great question. Um, I'm going to say the founder of Augur and, and chief investment officer, co-chief investment officer at Pantera Capital is a, a very young individual named Joey Krug. Um, I had the pleasure of working with him for a few years uh, over at the Forecast Foundation, um, and I, I, I just really admire not only his tenacity, his curiosity, um, but, but also his technical proficiency, um, his business strategy sense. Um, I just think he's kind of a, a 10 or 100x c- contributor in this space, uh, and Pantera Capital has obviously had a ton of, ex- ton of success at, as a fund, um, and Augur didn't quite have the um, Augur didn't quite have the adoption that that we all wanted for it. But I I still think it's one of the biggest technical achievements uh, on Ethereum. It's you know we never really sacrificed this ideal of like end to end decentralization, um, and, and and that's really not adhered to across DeFi so much, um, which is something that I do hope that. Uh, you know, I, I do hope the trend kind of does start to move towards more of that end-to-end decentralization and, and trying to really kind of like um, black swan proof and, 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 and make your make your make these apps as robust as possible. Um, but yeah, to, to get back to kind of like who I admire the most, it, it would be Joey Crew from from Pantera and Augur. People say that uh, Peter Thiel likes to ask this question. What is something you believe that other people think is insane? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe I can, I can try and keep this applicable to DeFi. Um, but, yeah, I tend to think that we are on the verge of L2 Ethereum becoming kind of a mainstay, um, whereas it's, it's kind of taken a backseat to alternative L1s. Um, and I think like the real catalyst that's going to drive that is Uniswap, you know, incentivizing liquidity on, on, you know, an L2 of choice or, or, or multiple and them kind of playing kingmaker to an extent, because I really believe like the, the universe of DeFi revolves around kind of stable coins and Uniswap. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know how, uh, how crazy or, or how, um, novel or, or how kind of um, unique that idea is to me. But yeah, that's kind of like my, my core belief about what might happen next. What do you consider the worst advice you see or hear in Define Crypto? The worst advice? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, and I think people are wising up to it, but one thing that we were very early about uh, understanding and internalizing at index soup was like just how bad of a ROI and like you know if you think about uh, you know marketing tenants of marketing like CAC LTV like how how poorly incentives like liquidity mining perform relative to, to those measures and um, I think that like you know there, I think there's trade-offs in that you know getting a community of people that are that are involved have skin in the game at times and and are advocates for your project you know has its benefits but i think you know if you really kind of measure the return against a lot of these incentive programs that have been um kind of ushered out across many DeFi projects i think that it's probably going to end up um looking really bad in the long run People tell there's life beyond decentralized finance. What obsessions do you explore on your free time, if you have any? 
I have an extremely unhealthy obsession with the Dallas Mavericks. Um, shout out to their win last night over the Utah Jazz. Um, I love the NBA broadly, and um, I watch every Mavericks game. <laughs> it's fun. What topic would you speak about if you were asked to give a TED talk on something outside of your main area of expertise? Oh, man, I was going to say, if it was my main area of expertise, um, well, I'm just really passionate about this concept of on-chain adoption um, and really kind of like monitoring user counts and, 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 and traction in terms of, of, of TVL and AUM and things like that within these projects. Um, but since it's not some, something I would consider myself an expert, semi-expert in, uh, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> wow, that's a great question. I, a TED Talk. I'm not a natural kind of a presenter or speaker, so I would probably be a little bit um, <laughs> I'd probably be a little bit hesitant to give a, a, a TED talk on something I'm not necessarily an expert in. So yeah, maybe maybe just to kind of double down on on the previous answer, maybe I'll I'll give a, I would give a TED talk about like pick and roll schemes in the NBA. I think it's uh, too modest uh, from your side to tell that you are not a natural kind of presenter or speaker. Uh, <laughs> well, I appreciate that. You say that you have a pretty crazy schedule and uh, everyone who builds uh, and works in DeFi lives at this crazy pace and uh, it's very challenging to stay in shape. Uh, do you have any morning rituals or day-to-day -day routine uh, that uh, helps you to stay in shape? Yeah, I would say my morning ritual is three to four shots of an espresso. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, no, but in all seriousness, well, that that, that is definitely true. But I, I also kind of like to settle in for the day by just kind of like reading new messages on on the kind of like internal contributor server for for NXCube or, or going through the forum to kind of really table set for the day and, and kind of like understand where the trend of momentum is within the org and, and see like how I, I can help benefit that. Um, beyond that, I'm, I'm pretty obsessive about checking both, you know, our traction numbers and, and um, traction numbers of kind of like peer DeFi apps as well. Um, and, and just kind of like on a day-to-day -day basis, understanding where things are, um, which is, which is probably uh, a bit unhealthy. <laughs> In that regard, what would constitute a perfect day for you? Oh, wow. Um, yeah. I'm a big fan of the beach. Um, so having some leisure time at the beach and being able to experience, like, salt water in the ocean um, is, is a great start to the day. Um, I would probably get, like, a croissant breakfast sandwich uh, because I'm really fond of those. Um, I would probably be you know, kind of checking the goings on of, of, of crypto Twitter. Uh, there would be a mass playoff game, ideally in the championship, ideally a closeout game that they win. Um, then I would see all my friends, my family, and yeah, and then I would, you know, get to bed at, at a reasonable hour. And that would, that would be a pretty ideal day for me. From perfect days, let's talk about perfect places, but not a bitch. Is there some place in the world you have visited that you felt really had an impact on who you are today? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I grew up in um, Arizona, which I think, uh, but I, I live in California now. And uh, I definitely noticed that, you know, there's a bit of a slight, cult, slight cultural nuances. And, and I'm, I'm actually really kind of grateful that, that I grew up in Arizona um, because, yeah, I, I just think that there's like, some interesting, uh, yeah, I guess just like a sense of, of camaraderie and fam family that I feel with like people back there. Um, that's, that's kind of stuck with me, but yeah, I don't know if that, that's a great answer to the question, but I, I'm really fond of Arizona. What is the best uh, investment you have made? And it's not necessarily money. It could be time, energy, or any other resources. I would say definitely the best investment I made was kind of like taking the leap and going full time into crypto back in 2018. Um, you know, as the as the market sentiment had kind of died down uh, at that point and uh, from kind of like that 2017 bull run um, and really kind of just like taking the leap 
Um, and, and to be honest, at times, like, in in before kind of like this last run up there there are definitely dark points where I, I really questioned whether whether it was the right decision and whether it was a flash of the pan thing um but yeah i think like sticking with it and and surviving has been kind of definitely easily the best investment that i've made in my life and yeah just kind of like joining this crazy crazy environment um and and uh embracing it and and uh leaning into to all the kind of like insane stuff that happens here do you have any book or books that you have given most as a gift or recommend a lot? Uh, yeah, so that's a great question. I actually really like giving books away or recommending books. Um, probably before recently, the one that I most recommended to people was like Peter Thiel, Zero to One. Um, there's a there's a pretty interesting book on uh, like holistic growth tactics called Hacking Growth by um, uh, one of the early growth executives at Pinterest, uh, that, that's really good, Sean Ellis. Um, but recently, I actually, uh, and they should be getting delivered soon, um, I, I went ahead and ordered um, two books for every contributor at NXCube. Um, so those two books are uh, The Infinite Machine by Camille Russo. So um, obviously, she is the founder of uh, The Defiant. And then, um, so she kind of like chronicled the early Ethereum history. And then the second one is called Trillions by Robin Wigglesworth. Um, and that's about like the story of index funds um, and and how they were created by by John Bogle and Van, and Vanguard and even kind of like the history of indexes uh, broadly before that um, and, and it kind of really goes through a lot of the pioneers of, of financial engineering and um, yeah it's just a really really interesting read. Yeah, I believe Robin and Camilla are very very interesting read. Uh... Proceeding with the book uh, topic, do you have a quote you live your life by or think about often? Oh, <laughs> man, you have, you're stumping me with these questions. Um, I yeah, I don't know about any kind of individual quote. Uh, I like a lot of rap. Um, I'm struggling to to kind of source a line here on the spot, but um, yeah, I I. I find hip hop really interesting from a narrative standpoint. I, I, I think like, you know, perhaps like the content is often maybe vulgar for people, but I, I really find a lot of uh, enjoyment from like listening to these stories, which is essentially kind of like, um, you know, a come up story or, 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 you know, kind of like a hero's journey. And, and uh, that's, that's kind of like reflected in the, in the lyrics of, of rap or, or kind of the subtext of the, of hip hop songs. So, um, yeah, I, I, I like to listen to hip hop to, to get myself going and, and to motivate myself. And, uh, who are your favorite hip hoppers? Oh man. Um, Young Thug, Future, Jay-Z, 5EO Foreign, uh, so many. <laughs> Jay-Z represents. <laughs> Let's dream a little. Uh, if you have a crystal ball uh, which could tell you the truth about the future or present or anything else, what would you want to know? Oh, man. Um, I would want to know short-term price action in crypto so I could, you know, get, you know, one-time uh, big le big leverage. But I'm just kidding. But, um, no, I, I think, uh, you know, I would just want to know that, you know, I'm, I'm keen on – starting a family and and I'd, i would want to know that in the future that my family has like a foundation and and that they, they will be taken care of so if i if i could see into the future that's what i would want to see let's assume time travel is possible what advice would you give to your three five years younger self and by extension to our listeners who only start a journey uh, into crypto and defi oh man if i was uh, if I could time travel back in time and talk to my younger self, I would I would go back to around like 2014, 2015 when my friend Donish was first telling me about Bitcoin, um, and I would I would definitely take that conversation more seriously <laughs> and, and uh, try try to or I would tell my younger self to take that conversation more seriously and and, and lean in and, and kind of like fully lean in um, at that point because even though I feel like I was somewhat early, um, you know. There's there's people that I consider OGs that are just like, you know, well beyond early um, 
in terms of like when I've been here and, and uh, yeah, I just, you know, I think everyone kind of has this sense that they weren't really enough. And even though, even though like even people here now are probably in the long run uh, going to be seen as early. Right. So um, yeah, there's, that's kind of like a double-edged sword in that, like, you know, I would have wanted to be earlier, but at the same time, it's good to recognize that we are still early right now. Some people have lists of crazy things like skydiving, Antarctica expedition, going into space. Is there something you've dreamed of doing for a long time? Oh man, um, I <laughs> I did do something that I always wanted to do a couple years back. I did like a Shark Tank dive. Um, that 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 was pretty interesting. Um, there's definitely things that I want to do. Like I want to go on a safari. These these things might be lame to be <laughs> whatever. I want to go on safari like. Um, I've always wanted to try like maybe doing big wave surfing, although I, I don't know if that's in the cards. Um, but I think that's really interesting. I love watching like surf documentaries. Um, I'd love to potentially like, you know, climb some kind of natural structure. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I have, I have a bit of an adventurous side. Um, I, but yeah, I think like one thing that I've done recently that really scratched that itch was to do kind of like a, a, a dive with sharks in Hawaii. But what in your life do you feel the most grateful? Oh man, I try and be grateful for for many things because um yeah, I just feel like I've been extraordinarily blessed um and yeah, I I would probably just say I'm most grateful for for my family, for my mom, um my sisters and um and my fiance and yeah, just people that have been extremely supportive of me throughout my life. Um yeah. And that was my last question. And my very last question is, uh, do you have any request or advice or any ask for our audience? Some last part in words. Yeah, I guess, um, uh, I don't know if anyone's going to come up and speak. was just curious. I don't know if you guys can raise hands or something like that. Like, how many people uh, are, are users or, or own IndexCube products? I can't see if anyone's able to raise their hand, but um, yeah, if 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 not, um, I, w- I would highly recommend to go check out indexcube.com, take a look at our product suite, and uh, and 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 see what there is to offer, and see if there's kind of like a solution that that fits your needs. Um, uh, so yeah. So next time you can raise your hand. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or check a heart. <laughs> I'm not sure what uh, options there are. <laughs> Thank you for coming on the show, Peter. It was great speaking with you. Thanks so much for having me. It was, re- it was really a uh, really fun time, and, and I appreciate it. I wish you good luck in all your future endeavors. Thank you so much. Same to you guys. Really big fan of what DexGuru is doing, um, and thanks so much for having me on. And thanks to all our listeners as well. We hope that you've enjoyed the show. We are glad to have you here and wish you all the best in your life and career. To stay up to date on our latest episodes, please follow us on Twitter and Discord. If you are new to the show, we release a new episode every few days. For those of you who are regular listeners, please share the show with those around you. We will be back soon with more insights from expert guests from across the world. Have a great day. See you next time.